He is risen. He is risen indeed. We're going to look at He is risen this morning. But we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I had one slide. We're going to look at uh, some of what uh, Evelyn read for us earlier. And then we're going to walk around in, in the scripture a little bit, thinking about the fact that Christ has risen from the dead. And I believe in the resurrection, and I'm going to share some reasons why I believe in the resurrection. And, and we're going to look at scripture, and we're going to think about it, and we're going to uh, evaluate it, and hopefully you'll make a wise choice that you too will believe in the resurrection. He is risen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Follow along with me, please, as I read. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. Now pause for just a moment. He's going to explain what the gospel is. And when I was in sixth grade, my Sunday school teacher said, you boys are going to learn the gospel. And he taught, the first lesson he taught was from this passage of scripture, and uh, he wanted us to memorize these verses. I was not a Christian at the time. I was going to church by forced conscription. My parents made me go, but I'm so glad they did because I trusted Christ as my Savior as a teenager. But look what he says. I preached unto you, then you received, and now we stand. See, the first thing you have to do when it comes to Christ is you have to receive him as your Savior. And then you're supposed to live with him, walk with him, stand firm in the truth of Scripture. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved, saved from a life going to hell, now going to heaven, from darkness to light. Jesus saves you, saves your soul. Your body still suffers along on earth for a few years. But eventually, all of you will be in heaven with the Lord. By which, and by the way, I just realized that sounded weird. It sounded like I said your soul and spirit are already there, but your body's here. If your soul and spirit are not with you right now, you're dead. Okay? So you're all together here, body, soul, and spirit. But, but we suffer in this life, and God has a place for us in heaven. Verse 2, by which he also, what's that next word? By which he also are saved. Not hope to be. Not, oh man, when I get before the pearly gates, I hope Peter lets me in. That's not biblical. Paul said, when you know Christ as Savior, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You already are saved if you've trusted Christ. And then he says, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. There are some people who believe a little bit. They believe a little bit. And when you believe a little bit, but it doesn't really sink into your heart and soul, then you don't follow the Lord. You do for a little bit, and then you stray away. We've seen people different times in our lives that have come in and partnered with us and served and been so excited about serving the Lord, especially when I was in the Marine Corps, a bunch of guys did. Man, they'd get excited about the Lord, they'd surrender to preach, and... Two years later, they aren't even going to church or Bible school or anything. They just walked away because it didn't really sink in. It didn't transform their heart. 
You don't keep yourself saved by working really hard. You're kept by the Lord. But if it doesn't make a difference on the inside, then you're not really saved and you're just going to slip away. There needs to be an inner transformation. And here's the gospel message, verse 3. For I delivered unto you all, I'm sorry, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Last week we looked at the crucifixion, we read scripture. What was the scriptural text we started with last week? Do you remember? Psalm 22. Verse 1, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The, the crucifixion was foretold in the Old Testament. Jesus died according to the scriptures. There was a suffering Messiah theme and a conquering Messiah theme in the Old Testament. And the Jews kind of wanted to go with the conquering Messiah theme. And they ignored the suffering Messiah theme. They didn't recognize Jesus. We know now, because God revealed more of his truth, that there is the first coming when he suffered to die for us, and the second coming when he's ruling and reigning with us. But they didn't know that at the time. So Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. You want to know the truth about Jesus Christ? You don't go meditate and sniff incense. You look to the word of God. Verse 4. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. The Old Testament scriptures told us that. And then he was seen of Cephas, or Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, among whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. <laughs> When I was a kid, the first time I read that verse, I thought, whoa, how old are these people? It meant they were still alive when Paul was writing this. Not that they're still alive on earth today. Verse 7. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. I believe in the resurrection. The first reason is because it was prophesied. Isaiah 59, 53, verses 9 through 12. He was numbered with the transgressors in his death, and then he received an inheritance. Now, some of you have had family members die, and you've received an inheritance. Who receives the inheritance? The one who's dead or the one who's living? The one who's living. The dead cannot receive the inheritance. So Jesus died and then received the inheritance. That's what Isaiah says. It was prophesied. Jesus himself predicted it openly and clearly. Admittedly, it's easier for us to see it clearly than it was for people in his day. It would be weird if somebody told you, hey, I'm going to die and three days later I'm going to come back. That would be hard. Not only that, but how many of you have had somebody you love, family member, child, spouse, parent, grandparent, somebody that you love, your close friend, die? How many of you? And have you seen them since then? Hopefully not. I mean, I have pictures right near my bed. I have uh, pictures of 
a picture of my wife and I and a picture of my mom and I. It used to be in my study, we've rearranged things, so we moved it uh, now and it's, it's close to where I have some other stuff. But I love that picture of my mom and I. That's the only time I see my mom. She went to be with the Lord years ago. Someday I'll see her again with the Lord. But doesn't death seem so final? I don't know anybody, me included, when I stood there and watched my brother die, when I watched my mother die, when I held the hands of people as they died. I don't know anybody who said, I can't wait till I see him again. And that was their first response when somebody died. We, we intellectually understand, yes, we'll see them again. But when they die, it's a heart-wrenching thing. And so the people in Jesus' day, when he told them, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back, what he said was, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. You know what they heard? I'm going to die. I'm going to go away and then I'll come back for you. What they heard, I'm going to go away. It's kind of like when you talk to your kids. You know, the Charlie Brown mom, wah, 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 wah. Some of what Jesus said kind of went wah, 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 wah in the ears of the people. They didn't really think in. Because if they had, then these verses would have made a difference. Mark 8, 31. He began to teach to them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. We understand that. They didn't at the time. Mark 9, 31. For he taught his disciples and said unto them, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And after that he is killed, he shall rise the third day. Mark 10, 33 and 4, saying, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Okay, we just read Mark 8, Mark 9, Mark 10. Jesus said over and over and over, I'm going to die. After three days, I'm coming back. I believe in the resurrection because it was prophesied. Even his enemies were aware of this prophecy. In Matthew 27, 63, the enemies said, hey, he said he was going to die and then come back. So let's put a guard on his tomb so they can't steal the body and then fake the fact that say he rose from the dead. Even his enemies knew Jesus said he would come back. I believe in the resurrection, partly because it was prophesied. Secondly, I believe in the resurrection because he was dead and now is alive. I want you to turn, keep your, mark, mark your spot here and turn to Revelation chapter 1. Before Jesus was taken down from the cross, professional executioners confirmed to the governor that he was dead. One of the ways they did this, they thrust a spear in his side that ruptured his heart. Blood and water poured out. If they gave the governor a false report, if they said he was dead when he wasn't really dead, they would be put to death. They made sure he was dead. And then he was sealed in a tomb. He was dead. Professional executioners, that was their job. They said he was dead. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verse 17. 
John is having a vision of the Lord. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Let's all say it together. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He was dead and now he is alive. In chapter 2 and verse 8 he says the same thing. He's writing to the church in Smyrna and he said, These things saith the first and the last which was dead and is alive. Now back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. I was dead, now I am alive. That was Jesus' own testimony. He is risen. He rose from the dead. I believe in the resurrection because he was dead and now is alive. Some people say, well, he was just swooning. And he just was kind of a, a comatose, but not, and then he revived. Now, professional executioners called him dead. They ruptured his heart. He was dead, but now he is alive forevermore. I believe in the resurrection, thirdly, because it is historically verified. Historically verified. A lot of people make a big deal about scientific proof. You cannot scientifically prove creation. You cannot scientifically prove Jesus rose from the dead. You cannot scientifically prove there is a God. And you know what? All of those things are true. But guess what? I can't scientifically prove Jeff Miller was born. I believe he was. We have, we have some way of proving he was born. How would we prove that Jeff was born? A birth certificate. What else? Here he is. That doesn't mean he was born. He could have been hatched. Or, no. Okay. We have a birth certificate. We have his mother's eyewitness testimony. We have the doctors who confirmed it. We can historically prove, based on records, historical records, that he was born before me. Just, just say it. No. No. <laughs> That's right. Listen to what Matthew 28 the angel answered and said unto the women that came to the tomb, for, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. In Mark, now Mark 16, 9, well, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. Luke 24, 5, the angel said, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And now they remembered his words. John 20, 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Tonight at evening, we're going to have a service here at 6 o'clock tonight. We're not going to lock the doors. We're not going to dim the lights. We're not going to cower in fear because Christ rose from the dead and he's given victory and God has blessed us in America to have freedom to worship our God. But here they were afraid. They just killed Jesus. What are they going to do to them? 
They were the key followers of Jesus. They were anticipating imminent death. And so they were gathered together behind locked doors. And Jesus came and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. <laughs> and they had a panic, right? They were terrified. Jesus showed up right in their midst and said, Peace. And then he showed him his hands and his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. There was joy. Are, are you back in 1 Corinthians 15? Let's look at some of the historical eyewitness testimony that would stand up in a court of law today. This is what our courts use to make decisions based on historical facts. Not to be able to prove it scientifically, you have to be able to repeat it. And you have to be able to test it in a lab environment. So you can't prove it scientifically, but you can prove it historically. Look at the eyewitness testimony. Who's the first one? Cephas. One of the names the Lord gave to Peter. Now we saw the women and then he saw Peter one-on-one. -on -one. We don't have a description of that in the Gospels. But Jesus revealed himself to Peter, bringing himself back. After that, uh, he was seen, oh, after Peter, then of the twelve. So then the, the followers, the disciples minus Judas, the apostles minus Judas, and, and they saw the Lord. And then after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. Now, can you imagine in a court of law today, Say we had a, a trial in Pinal County or the U.S. Supreme Court. We had a trial and you brought 500 witnesses who all agreed to the same thing. What would the court decide? It's true. The court would say, he is risen. We have 500 eyewitness people, eyewitness testimonies saying, he has risen. It's not just this little thing done in a corner. Paul said that to Agrippa. This was not hidden. God made it manifest to everybody. And then lastly, he, he, verse 7, he was seen of James and then again of all the apostles and lastly seen of Paul when he was on the road to Damascus. His name was Saul at the time. And the Lord appeared to him. See, if you went to court with that list of eyewitnesses, the only verdict the court could say is, it's true, he is risen. I believe it because of the historical record. I believe in the resurrection also because of the radical transformation of the disciples. Hey, when, when I read from John 20, where were the disciples? On Sunday evening, they were gathered together in a room, probably a big room, like this, maybe. Maybe not quite as big, because they didn't mind being more crowded. America, we like space. Have you ever been in a Japanese tour group? They don't mind not having space. Uh, I'm okay, because I'm taller than th them, but my wife disappears. And, and, and we were in a store once and the tour bus came in and all of a sudden you have people standing right here, right here. I'm reaching up for something and a head pops under my arm. It's just kind of weird. But in the culture Jesus lived, everybody just kind of bunched together. That was normal, still is today in Eastern culture. They were all gathered together 
maybe a group this size, all gathered, and Jesus suddenly showed up in the midst. But they were behind locked doors. Now, it's not wrong to lock your doors. When we leave, we lock the church doors. Even when I'm home, I keep my door locked. Um, <laughs> one day we did it. Was it Thanksgiving Day? We had the family all together, and this guy comes walking in, two cases of beer. He comes walking into our living room. Four bags of ice. Oh, four bags of ice. I thought it was beer. My story's better. My story's better. I couldn't remember what it was. Walks in with four bags of ice, and, and he just gets, he walks in a big smile and gets a panicked look on his face because he didn't recognize any of us. It was scarier for him than it was for us. He was in the wrong cul-de-sac. Right house number, wrong street. Um, but, but normally we keep our door locked. We lock it every night. I, I think it's probably a good thing to lock your doors. But these guys had their doors locked for fear of being arrested, imprisoned, put to death. Now, if you've read through the book of Acts, what do you find the disciples doing? Preaching. Preaching boldly. Boldly proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ on the porch at the temple. And they get arrested. And they get beaten. And they get told, do not preach in his name again. And so they run back and lock their doors and hide. Is that what they do? No. They say, we're going to obey God, not you. We cannot but tell the truth of what we have seen and heard. And so they keep preaching and keep... And Every one of the apostles suffered greatly. According to history, all of them except John died for their faith. John, according to history, was boiled alive in oil and lived through it. Don't you wonder what his skin looked like? Boiled alive in oil and lived through it. Then he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos where they expected him to die because he was an old man on this rocky little island and he lived. And that's where he got the revelation. Uh, the book of the Revelation was written by John while on the Isle of Patmos, a vision the Lord gave to him. All of the others, it says they were crucified, uh, Peter, according to history, was crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to die the way a Savior died. According to history, the Apostle Paul was beheaded. Others were beheaded. Some, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about believers being thrown to the lions, uh, being torn apart by animals, facing gladiators. Uh, just horrific things that happened to these people. But not once did they say, you know, we just made it up. He didn't really rise. They kept saying, he is risen. I serve him. I'm going to see him someday. And Polycarp, one of the early church leaders, it said when he died, he was being burned at the stake. And he was a pastor, I believe, in Smyrna. And when they were going to burn him at the stake, the Roman guy who was there, who was going to light the t fire, said to him, Polycarp, please denounce Jesus so we can let you live. And Polycarp said, 80 and six years I've served my Lord. He's never failed me. How can I deny him now? And according to history, the man who was supposed to light the, the pyre couldn't do it. And so someone else did it. And the, the man who was supposed to became a believer, and then he was burned at the stake. 
how did these guys who were cowering in fear become bold? How did these guys who were bragging about who was going to be better become a cohesive team? How did they transform? Well, it was because the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right before the crucifixion, they're still arguing about who's going to be the biggest, baddest dude in heaven. And they're still arguing about who's going to be first place. You know, after the resurrection, they're like, Jesus is first. In fact, in his life on earth, Jesus was called Jesus. In the epistles, everything ever written by the apostles after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they don't just say Jesus, they say, our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Jesus our Lord. They never just say Jesus. They recognize he is the preeminent one and they gave their lives to serve and follow him. They became bold witnesses. And during imprisonment, abuse, and eventually many being put to death, but they boldly proclaimed, He is risen. It wasn't mass hypnosis. It was a spiritual transformation. And they served God. I also believe in the resurrection because of my personal experience with Christ. It's been 40 years plus now. I trusted the Lord as my Savior. I was a teenager. I realized that I was a sinner and that the historical record of creation, the birth, life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Christ were true, and I needed to ask Him to forgive my sins and be my Savior. And I went forward in a service kind of like this at youth camp, and and the pastor who was preaching that day said, listen, I, I don't want you to make an emotional decision. So you just stay sitting down. And if you're going to come to the front, you have to walk over the feet of your friends to get out the aisle. And then you have to come down here and trust Christ. And he said, and we're not going to close our eyes and we're not going to hum. Everybody's looking at you. If you get up, every eye will be on you. But if you need to trust Christ, you come. And I felt the Holy Spirit of God say to me, it's now or never, buddy. And I stood to my feet and I went forward and my youth pastor led me to the Lord. His son's now married to my daughter. We share a couple of beautiful grandkids. But he led me to the Lord at camp that day. And I have experienced the presence of Christ. It's not all the time. You know, I don't walk through the grocery store and, oh, hallelujah, I got Jesus, man. I, it's, it's not like that. In fact, I don't even like going to grocery stores. Way too many choices. Drives me nuts. I went with Kathy this week. She said, there's a reason I shop alone, because I'm like, turn the aisle. Oh, we need that. Oh, you know, she's like, yeah, there's a reason I shop alone. But listen, I met Jesus Christ. I got on my knees. You don't have to get on your knees. There's nothing special about that, but I did. I got on my knees and I prayed and I asked him to forgive my sins and be my savior, and he did. And I got up and I felt different from the inside out. And my life started changing. 
the values that I had before Christ sort of fell away and I started pursuing new. And there have been multiple times in my life when I have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit of God and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that could not happen if Jesus was just some nice religious guy that died. He died and he rose again. He is risen. And we have eyewitness testimony. We have prophecy. We have his own testimony. We have uh, an abundance of witnesses. We have the radical transformation of the disciples. And we have our own personal testimony of walking with the one called Jesus the Christ. I believe in the resurrection because it is true. He is risen. So what? He's risen. Yay. You know what tomorrow's going to be? Monday. Tomorrow's not Easter Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. What's the day after Monday? Tuesday. Tuesday. What difference does it make on a daily basis that Jesus rose from the dead? What difference is it making in your life today? I do hope you'll come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll, we'll think about that and you can share maybe what's going on because of the resurrection. We're going to look a little more at this chapter in 1 Corinthians 15. He is risen. You can trust him. He's the only one ever who could lay down his life and take it back up again. Other people rose from the dead because a prophet empowered by God, an apostle empowered by God, or the Lord Jesus Christ himself raised them from the dead. Jesus is the only one who rose from the dead of his own power. He laid down his life. He took it up again. He paid the penalty for our sins. Horrific suffering on the cross but he rose. Easter is the celebration of a risen Savior. That's why our cross does not have a crucifix, doesn't have Jesus on the cross, because he was only on the cross for a few hours, and he rules and reigns off the cross today. And we serve a risen Savior, Jesus the Christ, Jesus our Lord. Is he your Lord? Have you trusted Christ as Savior? Are you following Him as your Lord? You, you can do that right today. You can do that. we got some deacons and their wives here at the front. If you came forward, they would love to show you from the Scripture how you could be saved, how you could know that when Jesus calls believers up to be with Him, you would go with them. He would, how you could know that as you face death, you know you're going to see your Lord. What do you need to do today? Because he is risen. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, for his sacrifice. We thank you for your amazing love for us, that you loved us while we were yet sinners, and Christ died for us. But today especially, we thank you that he rose from the grave 
that we can have victory because he had victory. Victory is a gift we receive from him. We thank you that he lives and ever lives to make intercession for us. We thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. And we pray that the people in this room today would be filled with awe and wonder at Jesus who lives, who by his own testimony was dead and behold is alive forevermore. May we be amazed at who he is and what he's done. May we trust him. May we follow him. May you be honored and glorified. May Christ be exalted. I pray that if there's one here this morning who has never trusted Christ as Savior, they would realize that Jesus died for them. He already paid the penalty for their sin if they will receive it, as the Apostle Paul said. Paul preached it. They received it. May that one here today receive it. May their lives be transformed by Jesus the Christ. Thank you for your awesome love. In Jesus' name, amen.